Just do a thumb, not a verbal. Let me know. All right. Mm. Um, I'm still kind of Ooh. buzzing from uh, the conversation with Cheech. Wow. You know what it is? I, I just feel like... He has that effect on people. Ooh, you better flex for your man, bitch. He does. Uh, those of you who are not as loyal as you need to be and who did not see previous episodes, Bridget's fiance, Cheech. Cheech. Yeah. Cheech. He, one name... Yeah, one name. That's all he needs. It's like there's Beyonce, there's the Cher, first name. Yeah. there's Cheech. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that episode <laughs> makes me excited. I know, right? We're gassing him up. Cheech is in the studio right now. We're not trying to gas you up, Cheech. He's on his phone. Like it's he one- he gets really he gets like bashful, like, uncomfortable when people gas him up. I give him compliments all the time. He I'll like, wake up and be like, "Damn, you fine." He's like, "Oh, me? Thanks. <laughs> Who me? Like, hello? Yes. I'm pretty. Okay. <laughs> no, but it's it's so interesting because I just love reminders mm-hmm. that there are good men out there of all orientations mm-hmm. who love women and yeah. show it through action, not just through words. Yeah, I would agree. Because I know a lot of well-spoken mother suckers who couldn't <sighs> date their way out of paper bag, but that's a whole other conversation. Well, they can talk their way out of one, but... But can't date their way out of one. But they're going to leave you in it, and you and look at you holding the bag with all the emotions. Look at you, look at you, look, <laughs> look at, at you. you. Look at you, look at you, Now, Bridget, the reason why you had to come back was because I was so excited about our last episode. Did you watch the the entire thing, or are you one of those people who cannot watch yourself on, on camera? Um, I listened to it. I listened to the entire thing it's twice. E- it's easier to... Li- oh, wow. Yeah. How, how did you feel hearing it back? Um, well, well, for one, I, I told, and I told you this, that it's, it's my favorite interview that I've ever done. Um, oh, friend feelings. Yeah. Well, mainly because two, you're one, you're my friend and two, um, like my real friend in real life. And mm-hmm. two, because, um, I think, you know, this is, this is the first time I've done an interview and covered all of the, the early times about my career without it being from the lens of. I'm an artist doing promo and mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. I used to get really defensive when I would when I would be promoting music and then or a TV or if I was on a show or anything that I would promo and be doing interviews and the conversations would be about, well, you were the first artist on Rock Nation and blah, blah, blah. And I would just kind of be like, okay, like how long do we have to talk about this? And it also feels like there's an implication of you defending how you feel or how you're carrying it in that. There's, a, there's there's some implications when interviewers ask you those kind of questions during promo. Well, I think there's an expectation too when you're asked about um, a certain part of your, your career or your journey mm-hmm. that people feel entitled to People feel entitled to to your expression of gratitude for everything that's come with that. Yeah. And so to me, I didn't I enjoyed the conversation because it was the first time I could talk about it objectively without feeling one pressure to, you know, talk about how glorious it was and how grateful I was for those moments and what a Patches blessing. Girl. Like without I didn't have to do that. And two, um, you know, I could really sit with, and we got very emotional on the show. So if y'all watched, yeah. you saw how emotional it was. Um, and I got a chance to really sit with some realities about my my journey that, again, don't get discussed on a platform. They get discussed on the couch. Do you know what I mean? They yeah. get talked about over drinks, over dinner. You know, in lots in of a, drinks, lots of dinner. Yeah, it was. I liked. I liked being able to treat it like something nostalgic versus. You know, something to well, you got to let the people know who you are, and it's like, nah, mm. not really. Like, I don't, I don't, def- I'm not defined by those moments anymore. There was a moment this morning when I was like, Bridget, we have to stop talking because we're accidentally potting. 
That's the thing. Yo, it sucks to be friends, like real friends with a potter, because every conversation is for the pot. Every guys, conversation this, this is, is a podcast. Bridget and I's second episode. Maybe third. <laughs> third this episode. Is, today. This is Bridget and I's third podcast. First one that's been that's been uh <laughs> captured on camera and right. in audio because we had such a great conversation on the couch. And there was a moment where we were talking about what I call the Forrest Gump dynamic. Mm-hmm. Where you're somebody who has a talent Mm -hmm. that you just naturally love doing. And then the universe kind of conspires to put you in the right place at the right time with the right people. It's nuts. And then all these amazing things are happening. Mm -hmm. And people who are looking up to you are like, how'd you do it? You're like, girl, I don't like. I don't know. I was ready and it (laughs) happened. Like that thing of stay ready so that you never have to get ready. Yeah. Very much applies to us. And I said, I was like, Bridget, I've never applied for a digital media job. Ever? Never. So I've had people hit me up like, how did you get in digital media? I was like, somebody saw me talking shit on Facebook <laughs> and said, hey, that post went viral. You know, people get paid for that. Yeah. Shout out to David Wilson, the the, the founder of The Grio. Yeah. And was like, yo, your Facebook post is doing more numbers than our site. Can you like come work for us? And I was like, oh, that's a thing. OK. Like, I've, wow. I've never applied for a digital media job in my life. And so <laughs> Bridget, you're, we're supposed to be allies here. <laughs> we are. I just I'm I'm just shocked that somebody else has had that same kind of. Um, and you know what that's series like. of yeah like the same kind of series of of passageways that have just kind of opened like boop okay well you, it's like we don't have the answers on how it used to it, it used to freak me out when somebody would be like well you know what advice would you give someone and in my mind I was just like keep your karma and your conscience clean because sis the way that the ancestors be working on my behalf because I don't know how I don't do it I don't be doing nothing you, you at know all what, though? I, like a couple puffs later though because I did smoke a J this morning to calm myself down yes I had an epiphany about this conversation though mm-hmm. I think that we're under we might be underestimating the power of like deep desire like when we talk about manifestation in yeah. an intentional way, mm-hmm. people don't talk about unintentional manifestation. When you want something with every core and fiber in your being and you walk through the world as if it is going to inevitably happen and you kind of like Forrest Gump, like leave the house, like, look, this is what I'm meant to do. Let's figure out how it happens. Who, what studio do I need to go to? Yeah. What article do I need to write? Like, think about it, right? You were already steeped in music. Mm-hmm. Anybody who knows Bridget knows Bridget is steeped in music. You were steeped in music. I was writing op-eds not knowing they had a name. Right. Like we were already doing the thing. So I think maybe the advice that we might have that we didn't think about is if you love something badly enough and show up every day, showing up how much you love it. People can't help but notice. It's true. But I also want to make the separation between showing up and working hard. Because I think I think we have been conditioned to think that if we well, if you just work hard enough, it'll happen. No, no, I can I can literally sit here and name a dozen people I know that have worked a million times harder than me at at several different things. Mm -hmm. And they are not where they want to be either. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think working hard really is the answer. I think being honest about really what your heart wants is is the only way, because if, if you're honest about it, you won't even know that you're showing up. It's that's an unconscious show that, up. It is. That's it's true. an unconscious show up. You won't even know. You'll just do it. Like it'll just, yeah. it'll come naturally to you. What is that book? The secret. The secret says when you, they say ask, believe, receive. Mm-hmm. What you're talking about is we're not talking about work because no. the work is the asking, right? You show up, when you show up, you're, you're asking to right. do something to get a paycheck. Yeah. I think what you and I have so much of that we take for granted is the belief. Mm-hmm. They say when people are working hard, and they're not manifesting what they want, not taking into account socioeconomic and disparities and whatnot. So we're not going to be super oversimplified. But a lot of times there's a crisis of faith. Mm-hmm. And I think when you deeply believe, yeah. I've seen it happen time and time again. People who deeply believe actually get further than people who work harder. 
Of course, because they're like, no, it's inevitable. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fucking get there. It's just a matter of like, yeah. Because think about, think about the times when you've, when you've worked the hardest in your life, the hardest that you've worked, you're under duress. Yeah, you have not, like, it's not your best. Your yeah. best is not the hardest work. It's not. It's, it's really the most, the most peace you have in the moment, the most confidence you have in the moment. Mm. I'm never the most confident when I'm working the hardest. Are you kidding me? I ran a fucking marathon. That was the <laughs> hardest physical thing I've ever had to do. I wasn't, that wasn't my best. Yeah. I wasn't my best in that moment because I did that. I think for me, my best was deciding that anything, anything that's even anything that's bigger than me will not defeat me. That was that's moments like that. That it's moment of acceptance is is my best. Me actually doing that shit, not my best. <laughs> There's a, no. su a surrender that comes from that too. And it's so funny because when we had Sarita Singleton on a couple weeks ago, she was talking about how she was like, I know I like to write. And I was like, yo, I was writing amazing emails. Like mm -hmm. that was an amazing email. So when Issa hit her up and was like, hey, my show got greenlit. She was like, oh, you want me to write another stuff? And I was like, but think about it, Sarita. You loved writing so much. Mm -hmm. You got excited about good emails. Mm -hmm. And so like... There has to be a love there that I think these days we all know about the algorithms. Of course. So folks who don't even like music know I can write a song that's paint by numbers with mm -hmm. all these keywords, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna have a number one hit. Correct. And I'm gonna learn how to dance a little bit. Yeah. And I'm gonna get. A, but there's no love there. And I think we talked earlier. We said about that love keeps you like young. Mm -hmm. I also think love keeps you like vibrating so high that the universe, like the universe, hears the love. Yeah. And so like for me, I'm wondering now because I watched the episode back visually. I didn't just listen to it. Mm -hmm. You look cute that day, friend. Thanks. Um, I watched the episode. I know. I realized I, I wore a band T-shirt that day too, and now I have a Buju Bansan T-shirt on. It's like you I'm whole, just I'm channeling all these. All you're this a whole music fucking energy. rock star. It's great. I, I think this. one of the reasons why people probably root for you in the industry because we you know when the Robert Glasper thing happened with Chris Brown. Yes. A lot of folks were like, "How does Chris Brown not know that Robert Glasper is deeply beloved and a friend, a good friend of yours?" Yeah. And I think a lot of times those people who love something the right folks always notice them yep and it creates this equilibrium where robert glasper might not be known by chris brown but stevie wonder considers him somebody that he respects you know what i mean like mm -hmm. when people see that that you're an equal as far as your craft yeah. they really respect that but we had a conversation and mm -hmm. i'm going to choose my words very carefully because it's a off the record on the record conversation okay about how there are some people in this world that we've come across who do not know how to be equals no. In this industry. They need to either feel like you're better than them and they're kissing your ass like an opportunist. Mm -hmm. And or, they and they're being validated by you but and happy by having your attention because you're better than them. Mm -hmm. Oh, look at the celebrity likes me. Mm -hmm. Or they feel good when they're better than you because now you're subservient. Correct. You and I both have problems with folks who cannot deal with seeing us as equals. Mm -hmm. Like you're not better than me. I'm not better than you either, but you're not better than me. Like we're equals. Right. How do you deal? We call them snakes. How do you deal now? Well, when you're a little bit older and wiser, because younger me would have been like, bitch, you got a problem. But I realize it's not socially intelligent. I can't just be rolling up with people like you got a problem, bitch. How do you deal although, with it? Although that, that would probably be the, the, the quickest the quickest solution to make you feel the most relieved. But just but like, yes. really? Because that's kind of my answer. How do you currently feel when you realize that you're dealing with someone who does not know how to have a healthy, equitable relationship? Because it's very tricky I'm using your word now. Look at you rubbing off tricky. of me. It's Real very tricky. tricky when you recognize you have somewhere to go and mm -hmm. there's some necessary evils. Mm -hmm. But you're like, yeah, I don't like how you're moving. I think the best way to deal with it is to um, identify what makes you the most uncomfortable and steer clear of that. Mm, so pick your battles. Yeah, pick your battles. Tactically. You, well, you have to because yeah. I think otherwise they, if you don't pick your battles, your battles pick you. And when, you're, when you let your battles pick you, you're not always equipped to win. Mm -hmm. And so in those moments with those kinds of people, 
everything is a battle for them. Child. So if so if you're not picking your battles and you're not like preparing for the for the fights that you know are necessary for you, then you letting then you putting that power in somebody else's hands to then make the decision and then they make the decision and then you're like, fuck, why am I still dealing with this person at all? I hate this. Get me out of here. And then you're back at square one and you don't feel like you you really made any progress in your situation. And I think for me what I'm learning also through through the, through the emotional intelligence course. Um, oh, guys, that's a shout out for On Thy Shift. Bridget Kelly has yes. joined the On Thy Shift family. And she and all the class people. The, this yeah. class is full of lots of air and fire signs. You guys know we love the Zodiac on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Lots of big thinkers, overthinkers, know-it-alls, and fiery personalities. <laughs> I fucking love it. Is that weird that as a facilitator, I love it when it's the alpha personalities that show up for class? No, I think it sets the tone for everything that you want because we we're consistent and we know and we know who we are so i love that when you ha- when you know that when you know you can count on that it makes the, the the situation comfortable right yeah like part of something that that chicha mentioned the episode in y'all's episode which i really loved was like when we got to know each other we got a chance to really know each other for who we were during a time where there was no there was no bells and whistles there's nothing flashy you mm-hmm. i can't flex on you you can't flex on me like it's not, it's not an industry setting. It's mm-hmm. not, we're not doing anything for the gram, our friends and fans. Like it was a basically a time of survival where the only thing we really had to lose was our sanity. So we, it was easy for us to get to know each other and depend on that, depend on the truth. Because what do we, what do we have to, what do we have to lose ultimately by building a, a true, honest and pure bond with somebody that we really gel with? And so I think that's the the beauty of being, being a fire or an air sign in that space is because- yeah. It's what you see is what you get all the time, every time. And you, so you ain't got a lot of kick it. Exactly. How did you feel being in a space like that though? Because it's a very small group. Mm-hmm. It's a it's an isolated link that only twelve people in the world even have. Like mm-hmm. in that space, being able to talk freely, but like trying to work through things. Mm-hmm. Is it odd for you, or was it freeing for you? Because I've had so many people who are in the industry or who are therapists themselves who are not used to being allowed to speak freely in a way and they find it tricky at first sometimes their first couple of workshops because they're like am I allowed to like say that or is that, am I going to be seen as problematic because you're constantly worried about being problematic for social media you don't want to get canceled what mm-hmm. does it feel like to be in a space where they're like no keep it a buck at all times um because I'm in a I'm I'm in a, a media space where my my part of my job is to to talk yeah. and it's and I'm allowed to create the narrative around whatever we discuss no matter what the situation is, I'm just media like conditioned to be wary of my surroundings in every conversation. But it's I think honest. there is a way it, it is. It's just no way around. But also because outside of my outside of one on one conversations or two on one conversations, because I have a public profile, I'm not going to I don't not going to call myself a celebrity. We're not going we're not going to do that. But I will she say is, fine. I'll call her celebrity. Go I ahead. will say because I have a public profile, there is sort of a, a bar that's been set and an expectation that I'm supposed to to perform a certain way. Or there's certain things I can't say or certain things I shouldn't say. Um, and so I'm I'm always I'm constantly aware of that. That's been my reality for 13, 14 years. So in my mind at this point, it's kind of like even in a space where it is only 12 people. I don't know if somebody is quietly recording a conversation and I'm talking about someone that they might know or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's never really a safe space. So we always say that too. We say online, it's a safer space. I don't believe that you can be safe. On, I feel like you can have safer spaces, like safer, but not safe. Yeah. Well, I also, yeah. I also think you can be, you can keep it a buck. You can be honest without bearing your soul. Being grimy. 
Well, just bearing your soul too. Like yeah. everything is not for everyone, and you can and you can decide what works for the conversation, what fits the conversation, and what maybe doesn't need to be said. You know what's funny though, because everything is so relative. Your version of media trained sharing mm-hmm. is a lot of people soul bearing. Like you run so deep naturally mm-hmm. that what you consider you still having some guardrails on, mm-hmm. people would think that they were bearing their souls. And so, and this, look at your face. Like you, the 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 pool is a little bit shallow on the other end, friend. Damn, that's something I had to learn because so I was y'all really only in the water up to your knees. I'm telling you, and the reason why I'm telling you is because somebody <laughs> somebody had to tell me because we had a class where I was talking to someone and they were like, "Wow, I can't believe you got people to get so deep." And I was like, "It's class one, like it's not gotten deep." But it's also and, and a, I was like, "Oh, deep is relative for people." But it's also there's a common goal though in the class where we're all trying to get deeper. So whether yeah. we've already gone there or not is not really the focus. It's really like now nah, we're all. We're all entering from different places, but the goal is the same. The bottom line is the same. And you're rooting for each other. I think Absolutely. What, what was interesting, and I was watching this because, you know, I let the people watch. Mm-hmm. There's somebody in, in the class who was, uh, see what see the thing is, mm-hmm. podcast fan. You guys mm-hmm. know Bridget's podcast, clap for it, mm-hmm. for see the thing is. Yay. And this fan was in, a episode, was in the first class that you were not in. Okay. And was like fanning out when, when they found out that you were going to be in the next class. Okay. The next class... The minute we started having real conversation and soul bearing, all the fandom, I literally saw it leave their body. Like they started just treating you like a regular person. I think they forgot you were Bridget Kelly. Oh, thank God. And just saw you. Like I watched it happen. Okay, good. And it was so fascinating that when you are sincere mm-hmm. and people are really trying to work through, be their better selves, yeah. even if you want to be a fan, it kind of kind of floats. A, it's an interesting thing because a lot of people who were on reality shows like The Real World where you couldn't leave the house right. said when you're in a situation like that and it's so intimate, at a certain point, I know there's a million cameras in my face, but you just forget you're just a person again. And mm. I didn't realize that. Sometimes that happens in those group settings where they're like, I'm rooting for Bridget and her so-and-so that she mentioned in class three. And they're forgetting that, oh, yeah, that's the girl from the podcast. Okay, that's weird. It's the same thing when I met Kid Fury. I listen to his podcast every week. Yeah. But when we're having happy hours with friends and stuff and singing happy birthday to him, I forget that to do from the podcast. And right. so I will say, maybe to appease you a little bit, your humanity, even though you're well media trained, your humanity kind of outshines that at a certain point. Well, that's also because I I don't ever I strive to make people feel comfortable with me. And not in a way that's pandering, mm. but in a way that is that is um as an artist, I've always felt like that was the objective, to right? To be gracious. To be gracious, but also make people feel seen. Even if I even if I don't agree with you, even if I don't if I don't really rock with what you or I don't understand what you're really trying to say, yeah. I still want you to feel seen. I still want whoever I'm in, interacting with or engaging with to feel like, all right, cool, this is this is a safe space. Like yeah. celebrity or not, public profile or not. I am still a human being. So mm-hmm. if if nothing else, even if you even if you don't see me that way, if all that you see is me seeing you that way, that's important. That's it reflects, back, it reflects and, back. Yeah, and it's so crazy because the class happened on Wednesday, and the mm-hmm. next day you were back in LA. So we're gonna segue yes. to my favorite part. Bridget, can we officially call you back home? So what's good, friend? Because you know it's we manifest. Coming. It's coming this year. This year. This year, it's gonna happen for sure. It'll it'll be an official. It'll be an official bicoastal life. This is the year that we can officially say Bridget Motherfucking yes. Kelly. That's how we call her on the show, yes. guys. Bridget Motherfucking Kelly is bicoastal, and like you guys are based in New York for, right now. Yes. Would you be open to, despite having a fiance, mm-hmm. doing a long distance relationship? Um, for a, a temporary period, sure. What's because I've had this thing where I the minute I had forty, I was like, I can't do long distance. Mm. I got needs. <laughs> I just can't do it. How, what would be the parameters where 
you could do a long, long distance relationship, and this is you actually giving me some 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 game, friend, because I don't think I I don't mm. think I have it in me, but maybe you could talk me out of it. Um, I think the 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 necessary elements of any relationship for any relationship to survive um, is for so many things to be intertwined that mm. the balance of all of those things simultaneously contributes to the balance of the relationship. So having different touch points, mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. So you I always feel connected even if you're not in person. Absolutely. So sense. whether it's with his friends or my friends or our mutual friends or family members, he talks to my mom all the time. I talk to his mom. Like it's, there's always. Oh wow, the mamas are involved. Oh yeah. it took And it took us a while to get here. It did take us a while to get here. Y'all really are um, already, it feels like. But yeah, I think, I think that's the, um, that's the the part. And for me, right, when I was in a relationship when I was younger, a lot of it a lot of it felt long distance because I was traveling all the time. True. So I was never really home. So I feel like part of why that didn't work was because we were not working towards the same things. I was trying to further my career and he, he was just kind of waiting for me to come home. Oh. Versus not, not like a puppy. Well, Sorry. No, and listen, and no, he, a lot of men internalize it that way, though. And that's and I, and I think that's friends. that was probably how he felt. And yeah. so, rather than it feel like now nah, this is a partnership and we're working towards the same thing, I feel like that also can start to feel crippling if you're not on the same page with the person. I think the long distance is that's the hard part, right? It's like if you're in a long distance relationship, right? What are we? Where are we going to arrive at after this long distance? Yeah, when we're gonna live together, friend. But here's the thing: Do you think it's just? <laughs> I think that's va I think that's valid. But what if you're going the same place and mm -hmm. you just have different love languages? Because a part of me is like, even if I met somebody who wanted the same things as me, yeah, my love language is words of affirmation and physical touch. Okay, yeah, I need I have a little praise kink. You know, we've been talking about this. Tell me I'm cute and you you, li you like my <laughs> eye whites. Okay, I need to hear it. You think I'm cute? You think I'm cute? <laughs> me? Okay. Like so, I I, I need affirmation verbally, but I yes. also need physical because I was affection deprived. Yeah. And this is the part of my childhood that I'm open about. Like I had an affection deprived childhood. Mm -hmm. I've earned the right to get all the hugs and kisses now. Mm -hmm. I'm lovable as fuck. Okay. Yeah. Somebody like somebody's gonna hug me. What, what, yeah. What's that Denzel thing? I'm, I'm leaving here, here with something. something okay. <laughs> you give a me hug, some, a forehead it's gonna be a kiss, kiss, something. Yeah. Even from friends. Of course. Like when when I hug you guys, you guys hug me like you love me so much. I don't know we you, do. Y'all be hugging me like y'all give up all the fucks about me. It's yeah. beautiful. And so like I love people who even in nonverbal ways show me that I'm safe. Mm-hmm. A long distance relationship feels like it's gonna be lots of me rubbing my feet together and hugging body pillows. Um, I think like it, a cricket. Just mm. <laughs> I know the, the the visual of a cricket was like just know, yuck. yeah. Just, um, I don't. It feels like a whole lot of cross-eyed nights. But but again, I mean, what's I your think, love language, by the way? Um, acts of service is huge for me. Oh, okay, um, that makes oh well, Cheech, that's perfect actually. It, yeah. Oh my acts god, of that's service perfect. And um. Quality time are my two top. Oh, you see, Bridget picked, I picked the whole ones. Okay, that's not like a whole now. Bridget picked the elevated, you are media trained. I didn't, no, I, I didn't, I, I didn't like pick you them. To, have to, to do charity and, you know, spend time with me. I was like, hold me, touch me and tell me I'm pretty. I mean, my, <laughs> mine is, mine, mine is a different type of wholeness though. Mine is like acts of service. That means you're going to do everything for me. You're oh. going to wait on me hand and foot and oh. quality time means you're going to drop everything for me because it's all about me. So it's, I, it's a different, 
Right. So the when Aries, she just is threatening to beat up the chef for now getting your food in time, acts of service. Acts of service. He's like your Julius when he's, when he's holding the when he's the, holding the, the kitchen door open. Like there's a video food? of Cheech literally sticking his head into the kitchen, asking the sous chef where Bridget's food is. And what's crazy is I always joke that you're like Beyonce. He's Julius. Like yeah, he really makes sure that you are good at all times. At all times. And if you're not good, he will scorch the fucking earth. Which makes which always sometimes makes me nervous because I'm like, oh no. I'm always you low key like that shit because I like that shit. I'm not even. It's not even me that's happening. I, I to. do until it like borders on embarrassment because then <laughs> there's a part of me that's like that's the that makes the oh no Kanye Beyonce face when Kanye oh. runs up on stage. There's there's been a couple times where I'm I have that moment and I'm like oh no babe don't <laughs> we're gonna nah. get this thrown out of here. You need to tap into your inner West Indian Bridget got West Indian in her. Be like yes baby get him. That's how we were trained. <laughs> I mean, at this point, island girls be egging them on, like, yeah, baby. As long see, as but, we're safe. As long see, as we're but safe. here's here's the problem, right? The, uh-huh. so, the the social intelligent aspect of me is like, <laughs> if he pushes this too far, I'm gonna end up fighting this bitch in the parking lot. Oh, and right. I'm not really trying to. I'm not really trying to go out like that. I'm just hungry. I just want to eat my dinner. Like, I'm not really trying to go toe to toe with the bottle girl. Like, it's just not. You know what I mean? Not What's at this, our mantra, not at this Richard, part, Richard, place in life. Bridget and I have a mantra. Um, and this is a mantra that I say whenever we talk about people who got us fucked up. These are this is the version of the, the episode you're oh, never gonna see. Oh man! It's either peace or death. It's peace or death. Okay. The reason why we show y'all so much grace is that it's either peace or death. Yeah. So if I'm being nicer than you deserve, that's because I want you to live. I want your yeah. family to see you tonight. Like it's peace or death. And so yeah. My question is, if somebody does get you to that point, because I think a lot of times when you're a spicy person but who's mm-hmm. always showing grace, mm-hmm. people are like, Oh, she got a big barp, she ain't got no bite. The whole time you have choppers in your purse, you're just being nice. What's the line? Cause you and I are both overdue for a cheat meal. Mm-hmm. We haven't showed our asses or given people the day that they deserve in a long time. That's very true. What would be the line in the sand that makes you say, I'm gonna take this emotional intelligence cheat meal and put my foot up your ass? Because I've been having wet dreams about it lately. I don't know what, what I'm going through. Um, man, where, where, where am I going to draw the line? It's been two years since anybody's gotten the, the, the cussing out that they deserve. I'm, I'm, I might be overdue for a, a teachable moment with somebody. Um, I think I think what would push me over the edge at this point in my life would probably be um, questioning my character mm. when they don't get their way with me. Because I'm very consistent in my character. So I feel like if you if you are questioning my character or trying to smudge or smear my character based on an outcome that wasn't their desired outcome um, is, is probably, I think, at this point where the gloves would come off. Because I think that, to me, is a very different blow, a very different type of blow. It's, it's manipula- manipulation and malice. Yeah. And it's I a don't, bad combination. And, and to be honest with you, I have not encountered a lot of malicious people in my life. A yeah. few, only a handful. And I've been lucky in that way. I think, I, think a lot, I've, I know a lot of people that have dealt with some nasty, nasty individuals. And I have not really... Malice is foreign to me. And it sounds like it's foreign to you. But when it happens, it's breathtaking. And I want to... Whoop everybody's ass. Like, yeah. The minute you realize that somebody, and for those who don't understand what malice means, because some of y'all words mean things, right? Malice means someone who has the intention to make you feel unlovable, unlikable, or unwanted. Someone who at the core wants to make you feel like shit on purpose. Right. Not someone who accidentally makes you feel bad. Not somebody who was complicit with their silence. Someone whose actual intention. Yeah. We all talk all the time in class about intention doesn't negate impact. If you have good intentions and you hurt somebody, it still matters that you hurt them. Right. When somebody has bad intentions to hurt me and it almost hit, because even yeah. if you had malicious intentions and it grazes me, I still want to fight you. Yeah. That's a nasty feeling. And I think a part of me is wondering, is it that, 
are we showing too much grace? Is it a lot? Is it, is it too much grace on our parts? Because we know that it's either grace or death, or is it that sometimes folks just need to like we're part of their karma? Because I told you before, Bridget, I think there's some people that if we showed our asses on them, it'd be their karma at work, and I wouldn't feel bad. I'd be like, God is using me right now. You need to learn this lesson. And God is using me. But then I've had friends tell me like, no, Blue, you're just making excuses for showing too much grace. Do you think there's a such thing as showing too much grace? No, I don't. I don't think there's such thing as showing too much grace. Provocative. Mm -mm, I don't. Because my my display of grace speaks volumes about who I am. Speak on it. So I'm not, to me, it's like, you're not bringing me out of character if I put hands on you. That's just the other side of the grace. Oh, wait a minute. She said this is part of the dossier so to, on Bridget so Kelly, page 17. So to me, it's, it's not one or the other. So there's no, there's no moment to me where it's like, oh, no, I've been too gracious or I've been too nice or been too kind or been yeah. too patient. No. If you have boundaries, there's no such thing. I actually agree with you. No. If you have boundaries, there's no such thing as having too much grace. Well, because I also think that when you are... It's always it's always tricky to to kind of discern what is what's grace and what's ego. A fucking man. First of all, grace, by the way, doesn't doesn't need to announce itself unless it's being pushed to. If you do things so you can weaponize that you did them later, yeah, that's not grace. Like, and I don't. I mean, anybody to me that constantly has to advertise, well, I'm not. You know, I'm not. I'm not the villain. I'm not. Or I'm. I'm. I'm a great person, and I'm. I just don't, I don't trust that. It's like, if you yeah. gotta be, you gotta, you the salesperson of, on your own car lot, I don't know. I only announce the shit that I'm working through. Like, hey, y'all, I don't have a lot of tact, apparently. My bad, I'm working through. Like, I only announce the shit that I, that I think is a teachable moment. So I'm asking for grace. Like, yeah. hey, I'm a blunt mother sucker. I've been told that I'm blunt. So if I say something that hit you wrong, you're free to let me know. But I also feel but like. But not in a grandizing kind of way. But I think being gracious, too, in any capacity makes it, makes it easier for people to be less defensive around judgment, right? Mm -hmm. By being gracious, you're kind of eliminating any room for anyone to misjudge you mm -hmm. and where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. So it's then it's kind of like, oh, then, well, you didn't get me fucked up. You're just confused. You're just an idiot. And that's not my problem. And I have to, <laughs> and I, very simply, like, it just is not my fucking problem. You know what's so funny? The last time you were here, I had shown grace in a moment where I really wanted to black out and you, you were there for that. Mm -hmm. And then now that you're here again, you're here for when it came full circle. And because I showed grace, mm -hmm. the person came to their senses and apologized. And yeah. I, and all I had to do was keep on being me. Yeah. Like I wasn't doing it for the win. I was like, no. I'm going to keep on showing up as me and let's see where you land. Right. You know where grace is really, really necessary for survival? Mm. Wedding planning. You like that segue? I worked really hard on that one. Thank you, friend. So look at Bridget's face. Can we get the camera on Bridget Kelly's face right now? Bridget's like, how did we get to the wedding? Can we take our shots now? Yeah, let's take the shots. I think this is, <laughs> we usually take the shots at the beginning, but I think this is the time to take shots. No, this, well, this is the beginning of something. Yeah, so. Let's take a shot to everybody who's supposed to be there being there. Salud. Oh. What? That's, that's <laughs> not just for the wedding. That's for life. Exactly. That's a life, it's a life mantra. Mm -hmm. mm. Oh, my God. So get into it. You guys, I've debated if this should be part of the Patreon. We're about to oh, get into shit. it. It's Jamaican rum. It's from the hometown of your beloved. I have my own, my own Jamaican Aww. rum. The fact that you guys are both in the studio together makes me so giddy. All right. So wow. mm -hmm. I have a controversial theory about weddings. Okay. I do. I do not. I think it's bad juju to show up to a wedding if you don't believe in the couple. Okay. Um, I've had several weddings that I have been invited to that I have turned down. Okay. Because I was like, I don't believe in y'all. I think this is a horrible idea. This is some fuck shit. And I don't want to lie to your face for six hours and eat your food for $100 a plate. Okay. All three of those couples ended. I'm just saying. Oh. 
And the few weddings I have said yes to, they're also together. Just saying. Okay. So my thing is, because I think energy is something that is really powerful when it's in a group dynamic. Mm -hmm. Being in a room full of people who are showing love and I'm not feels nasty to me. It's na You know, I don't like funny shit. So for me, it feels like nasty work that even if nobody else can tell, because you know I have a friendly face. Yeah. I would feel like shit. I also have this thing now where, because I understand that I would never show up to a wedding if I don't believe in the couple, I would never have anybody at my wedding who I did not think was going to be some kind of addition or enhancement or support for the relationship. Mm -hmm. So now as your friend watching you in the wedding planning stage, mm -hmm. a part of me immediately goes to the energy. Mm -hmm. Like, who else is going to be there? I'm, I'm going to show up for you because I believe in you and she's yeah. clearly, right? Pom-pom's ready. But like... I'm also like, I don't want no funny shit as your friend, too, because I don't want to turn. Now I'll be Julius, okay? I'll be the one talking to Craig, like, yo, y'all talking funny to the bride. I don't like this. Mm -hmm. How do you gauge who, sh who not should, because we don't use should in the class, mm. who would be a good high vibrational attendee at the wedding mm -hmm. versus who wouldn't? Because I think sometimes we think automatically family has to come. Automatically your day ones from X, Y, and Z have to come. But weddings are such a sacred and vulnerable space. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you're introducing your family to a newborn child. Your your, your new marriage yeah. is like a newborn. You wouldn't have everybody coughing over your newborn. That's true. How do you work through that? Because for me, I would be super vigilant, but I feel like maybe mm. your heart is a little bit more expansive on this one. It would um, be a short list for me, babe. Well, Ooh. Um, <laughs> I mean... Is this is this going behind the paywall? No, are you, How honest. Can we be? You know what? Um, you know what, guys? We're gonna put this behind the paywall. This is the part of the conversation. This is the part of the conversation yeah, that you would have to. Yeah, my spirit is telling me to put this behind the paywall. So for those of you who are listening um, um, on YouTube, uh, this is gonna be a link for those of you who are listening on uh, Spotify or all streaming platforms. This is your cue. This is your cue right now to make sure that you. Join us on Patreon because yes. this is a paywall conversation. We didn't plan this. So this is not me doing the okie doke on you. This is us being organic in the moment. So our producer, we're going to cut right here. And you guys, if you want to hear the rest of this conversation with Bridget motherfucking Kelly, mm. please join us on patreon.com backslash blue centric. Mm. Uh, bye. All right. Do you need, um, how much, how many minutes was that love? Perfect. So we can do a, a good 25 yep. on the yep. perfect. Look Amazing. at that. Bitch. Look at the timing. Look at us. Look at us. Look at us. We're ready. Pros. We're ready for this next the part, yeah. two, part two. Part two of part two. Because I told myself, because in, in yesterday, be. <laughs> in the outline, I had put the, I was like, no, it's going to naturally happen. And it did. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely cut after I said goodbye. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today.
electric acid. 